Well, today we have a special Sabbath as we begin our new series. Uh, we titled this series CSI. And I know what you're thinking. This is not about crime science investigation. Although we'll do some of that next week, but you have to be here. Uh, we'll talk about connect, serve, and inspire. Uh, one of the things that we want to accomplish during this series is to, to do an internal investigation on the secret of happiness. Because see, a lot of us have grown up with the idea that life is about being successful. The life is about how many things you accumulate, how big is your bank account, how much you can show to people. But life is not about success. Life is about significance. Significance comes from the idea that am I satisfied with the life that I'm living and am I making a difference not just in my life but I'm making a difference in someone else's life. Because the whole idea is to be connected. And all of us are connected but not necessarily to the right thing. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever go, gone, to, gone to a house, arrived to visit someone, and uh, you know, after a while you ask, can I have your password? Do you have Wi-Fi? See, we love to be connected, but unfortunately we are connected in the wrong way. Edward Holloway, uh, one famous psychologist, he wrote on his book, uh, Connected, 12 uh, Vital Ties That Open Your Heart. He says, we are a nation of doers. You agree with that? We hurry from place to place, sometimes over-scheduling our kids and ourselves. What really sustains us emotionally, psychologically, and physically is connectedness. The feeling that we are part of something that matters. So all the other stuff doesn't really matter. And see, when we look at the scripture, God made us to be connected. Connected to people and connected to him. If you open your notes, let's look at the uh, letter to the Ephesians that Paul wrote in chapter 4. And it says in verse 25, therefore. And, and it's quite interesting every time that Paul begins a text with therefore. Like, I told you all these things. So now get this. This is the summary. Having put away falsehood, and uh, I think that before we start the praise, we were called to be honest. Let, one, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are all members, one of another. We are all members of one body, and that is the body of Christ. We were called, we were designed to be part of a body, of a group. In fact, Jesus came to die so that we could all be part of that body. But this is the reality in, in, in church. And I, I want to show you a little graphic here. The church is divided in groups. And these groups vary 
by the level of connectedness. Every church, like us, like West Covina, has a group that we can call the core. Can you say core? Core. The core believers are the, the group that is always there. That you know that whatever activity is going on, they're going to be there. They, that is the group that when there's a, a, a need, they're going to be there. That when help is needed, they're going to be there. This is the group that is so involved in the church that you know you can count on them. This is the core. Now, the second level of, of connectedness is the committed. And the committed are the ones that are there. And, 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 and they're regular at church. They're not necessarily involved in the decision making of the church. But you know that they're going to be there. This is the committed. Then you have the congregation. And the congregation is the group that comes to church. They, 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 they support the church. But they're not necessarily involved in all the activities of the church. But they're part of it. They vote. They support. And there's another group. This group is the crowd. The crowd is the group that we see them. Right? We not necessarily don't know who they are. We, know, we don't know them by name because we might only see them Sabbath morning maybe once or twice a month. But they're part of the church. And they come. Not necessarily involved in ministries. But they're part of the church. And then we have the community. These are the group that, you know, li lives around or has a family member who comes to our church and they come visit every once in a while. They might live around the church, but they're not part of the church. They might come to our church, but they're not really part of it. Now, the only thing that makes these levels, like we said at the beginning, is the level of connectedness. So the goal is that if today you're part of the community, you can increase your level of connectedness with Christ and with his body that you can be part of the crowd. If you're part of the crowd, the idea is that in your heart, that need to be connected grows in such a way that you can be part of the congregation. If you're part of the congregation, now you know who I'm talking about. The prayer is that you can become committed. And the committed, we pray that you become part of the core. Why is this important? Because without you, the body is not healthy. And I'm going to tell you why. There's benefits of being connected. There are three benefits, in fact. And the first benefit is that I am connected for health. The U.S. Department of Health in 2004 decided that 
there were certain characteristics that defined people who were connected. And they discovered that people who were less connected than the rest of the people who had no connections, they were two to three times likely to die early. That they were four times prone to emotional burndown. Burnout, I'm sorry. And five times more prone to be clinically depressed. And ten times more prone to being hospitalized for mental disorder. So I don't know if you see a pattern here. But being connected, having relationships, it's important to our health. Now, Paul continues in Ephesians chapter 4, it's right there in your notes, verse 16. For whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. But I know a little bit about the body. And the body has internal organs and has extremities. And all of them, the internal organs are connected. Right? Some of you are like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, they are connected. And our extremities, our extremities are connected. Now notice what it says here. Join and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. What happens when one joint is not working properly? David? Right? Not, not David is the joint that is broken. He has, he has surgery on his shoulder. Right? So it needs to be fixed. It needs to be reattached. It needs to be connected. Because when one joint is not working properly... The whole body suffers. Now, there's an important phrase here. Because it says, with every joint with which it is equipped. That means that every joint was not placed there randomly. That means that every joint has a design purpose. A design task. Every joint has a specific job. So, each one of us was brought by God to this place, to this body. Not a random. You were brought here by a divine design. Now notice what it says. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know what happens when a body is healthy? It grows. It builds up. When a body is not healthy, it breaks down and dies. But when a body is healthy, it grows. Now, it's interesting because the, the, the Greek word for, for growth is auxesis. And auxesis means that it's something that happens from the inside out. It's not an external force. It's an internal one. And see, oftentimes, even in our spiritual walk, we try to get all kinds of external things. 
We, and nowadays we have podcasts and we have videos and we have YouTube and we watch messages and we hear this and that and we open Instagram and we see uh, devotional thoughts. But all that is external. For you to be healthy, you need to be connected. Connected to the body so that you can grow and be strong. So what is the first reason, the first benefit of being connected? Is healthy. The second reason is because it, when I connect, I connect for growth. Oh, let me tell you this story. I forgot about that. Uh, this is me a while ago, and that's my right leg. Uh, I injured my ankle. I injured my ankle, and uh, I was in that boot for six weeks. For six weeks. So I try to do all my, my life. The way I, I don't know if you can see it there, but I'm actually preaching with a boot on. The first week when I, when I preached, I was actually in my crutches because I couldn't keep my balance for that long. And I had a stool by there in case I got tired and sat. Um, but I was doing most everything with that boot. I went to the gym, and there's proof, right? At least I went once. Uh, <laughs> And I was doing it with the boot. When that boot was taken off my leg, there was only one thing that was missing. My calf. My calf was gone. Because of one little detail, I couldn't do this. You cannot believe how important it is for your body to do this. Because when you cannot move your foot, muscle atrophy sets in. And your muscles become like, it was like a water bag. I had nothing. As it is, I had very skinny legs. But my calf was gone. That is how important it is for each one of the joints to be healthy. Colossians 2.9 says, and not holding fast to the head from which the whole body, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through his joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from who? God. From God. So when all of us, all of us, okay, something is weird here. And I think it's me. When all of us are working together, all the muscles develop. All the muscles grow together. But when one of us is not, the rest of us suffer. So, you could say, I am connected to Jesus. But that's only halfway there. Because, see, you could be connected to Jesus, but if you're not connected to a body, you're not going to move. You could have all the knowledge, but if you don't put it into practice, your body is not going to develop. It is so important to be connected to Jesus, but at the same time to be connected to a body. Because the head by himself cannot do anything. The head needs the body. Jesus is the head of the church. We are his body. Are you with me? 
So the joints and ligaments do the things just as the members of the church do the things that God wants us to do. When we are disconnected from one another, atrophy sets. Romans 12.4 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. So all of us are different. Right? All of us are different. We have different functions. We look different. We like different things. But in reality, what makes us different? So who you are, first of all, is your passion. That's the first thing. Your passion. That's the P and the blanks that you're filling out. Passion. What's passion? But that's the things you like to do. That's the things you like to do. That's the things that, that, that make you get up in the morning. Those are the things that, that you wish somebody would be doing more of. Now, it is not your passion if you say, oh, I wish somebody would do that, but you don't want to do it. That is not your passion. Your passion drives from the things that you like to do. That you like to do. Because... God wants to use the things that you like to do the most. Now the second thing that makes you who you are is not only your passion, but it's also your experience. Your experience. And see, God uses every aspect of your life. Everything that God has allowed you to go through, God uses it. Because that is part of your experience. He uses the good things and God also uses the bad things. Because all those events in your life not only have helped you shape who you are, but also could be used by God. God never, never ever wastes a pain in someone's life. The third thing that makes us who we are is our personality. Now, this is a little more complicated because some of you, if I were to ask you, what's your personality? You'd be like, I don't know, I'm happy. But that's not a personality type. So I'm going to help you go through a little quiz this morning so that we can discover your personality. Are you ready? Oh, maybe a better question. Are you awake? Okay. So the first question on how to discover your personality is how do you recharge your batteries? So there's only two ways to come about this. And I'm talking about your emotional batteries. Either you're an introverted or you're an extroverted. So you see, there's an, an arrow there. Because you could be in one extreme or somewhere along that line. Now, let me tell you how to quickly discover this type of personality. It, it, there's a Sunday morning. And Paula tells me, oh, today we just stay at home. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> but sometime about 2 or 3 o'clock around after lunch, 2, 3 hours after lunch, Paola says, you know, I call your parents. They're coming over. <laughs> I'm like, what happened to being alone? <laughs> like, I know, but they're coming here. I'm like, yeah. 
They're coming here. See, I'm an introverted. And I, I think I told you this before. I'm a professional extrovert. But see, Sunday morning, after sharing love with all of you, when, when I go home, Sunday morning, I'm half dead. I need some hours to be alone. It was funny because, see, last week we were with people. And then I, we came back. We were in the plane with people. I came back Monday and we have board meeting. Pastor Gillian texted me, are you okay? You look like you need some help. I don't know what kind of face I had, but I was drained. Because for me, because I'm an introverted, I recharge my batteries, my emotional batteries, by being alone. Paola, on the other hand, she needs to be with people. She needs to, she thrives when she's with people. And you can see her with a smile all the time. And I'm like, honey, where'd you get all that energy from? And, and we go to bed on Saturday night and she's like, oh, I'm dead. But Sunday morning, oh, I'm going this and I'm going there. I'm going How do you do that? I think God has a sense of humor that, you know, the opposites attract kind of thing. She puts people different together just to have a laugh or something. But uh, so, so you, your personality, your personality it's either introverted or extroverted. And you answer to that question how your batteries, your emotional batteries are recharged. The second question that, that, that helps us discover our personality is how do you make decisions? And there's only two ways. Either you're a feeler or you're a thinker. Let me tell you a little bit about thinkers. In other words, let me tell you more about myself. Um, see, thinkers have this thing. That before making a decision, the first question is, does that make sense? Is that logical? What's the purpose? There has to be reasons why you want me to do this. And for some of you, you're like, yep, yep. But feelers, they don't think about reasons. Oh, yeah. Does that make you happy? Let's do it. That sounds nice. But how are we coming up with the money? I don't know, but we'll be together. <laughs> you see, because feelers, they care more about the emotions. But how are we going to tell them no? You know what I'm talking about? Now, it's really nice when a board meeting has a balance of feelers and thinkers. But when it's all thinkers, it's awful. And when it's all feelers, it's worse. <laughs> so, in your personality, you are usually attacking the way you make decisions by analyzing or by thinking about others. Now, let me tell you, neither of these two are wrong. It's just the way we see things. So either you're a feeler or you're a thinker. The third question that helps us understand our personality is how do we deal with change? 
Some of us love change. Some of us hate change. And some of us don't care. And that is because in, some side, in one side, we have the structure. And the structure think, okay, if that is the thing that we have to do now, I have to fix everything else. And I'm already organized. I already developed a discipline of doing this. My habits already place me here. Changing this does not sound like a good idea right now. What's the plan to change it? But on the other side, we get the flexible. And the flexible belief that the only thing that should be constant is change. We already did that. And then the structure says, we've never done it that way. So when you make decisions, how you charge your batteries, and how you face change says a lot of your personality. Now let me ask you, how many of you are introverted? And you're like, yeah, me. <laughs> me. How many of you are extroverted? You're like, yeah, yeah, that's me, that's me, yeah, yeah. How many of you are thinkers? How many of you think you're thinkers? <laughs> How many of you are feelers? Okay, pretty balanced, pretty balanced. How many of you are structured? How many of you are flexible? Okay, and we have the other third of the church, they don't know anything. <laughs> so you see, amongst our body, we're pretty balanced. So that means that we need your personality. Because if you were not here, we'd be unbalanced. God made you that way because he needed you at this body at this time. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now notice what it says there. Key word, individually. See, God made us different because he wanted us all together. So today we get to celebrate that unity in Christ through diversity. Our church is so beautiful. And, and, and you know, I, I wish that at some point you would w look at us from here. Because see, when I look at our church from the front, I can see all the diversity that God has blessed us with. I can see all the different faces, all the different histories, all the different backgrounds, all the different ethnicities, all the different languages that we speak, all the different abilities, and all those differences make us so special. I do believe that we're the most ethnically diverse church in our conference. And that is such a blessing because we have no background to hold us back. The only thing that can help us grow is to continue to grow in that same diversity. So we grow first for what? For health. Good. Three people are awake. Then we grow for? Growth. I mean, we connect for growth. I have to be awake. And number three, we connect for effectiveness. Effectiveness. 
Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Okay, let me try that again. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not just works, but good works. A translation for good works in the Bible is called ministry. Let me explain. Well, actually, let's allow Paul explain. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, God made you not just to be part of a community or a crowd, of a membership, but he made you to be a committed member to use your abilities, your talent, your personality to help someone else grow. And the only way that we can do that is when we are connected. Now, the sad reality is that not everything is happiness in, happen, happiness in a body. Sometimes we stumped our toe on the bed. Sometimes we get stitches. Sometimes we get diseases. And we need help. And as the body of Christ, we are designed to be connected. And the reason why we were designed to be connected is because in the plan of God, no one should go through pain alone. In the plan of God for us, no one should go through loss alone. In the plan of God for us, no one should go through discouragement alone. In fact, in the plan for God for us, in this imperfect world, no one should go through divorce alone. And there's nothing that I can tell you that could help you understand this better than someone who's gone through that difficulty of pain and loss. So this morning, I want to ask Maria Botello to come up here and share with us a little bit of her testimony and experience with the body of Christ in going through a difficult situation. Good morning, church family. So I'm listening to Pastor Rogelio's sermon, and I'm just being, my life is just flashing by from the um, 30 years that our family has been, almost 30 years that our family has been at this church. And I realized that it was God's plan that we be here. Um, there is so much to say. I'm going to recap kind of our life story, but I'm going to recap it in a way that it relates to the connectivity or the connectedness that um, we grew into when we first started coming to this church. And I want to share it as a testimony. Um, I want to share it as an encouragement for those who are trying to get connected or looking to get connected or want to be connected. Um, I, I hope that you can come out with seeing the value of being part and engaged and, and being, um, feeling included as, as a, being part of uh, the body of Christ. Um, I, I'm going to have to share some things, and I, I'm going to indulge on your time a little bit, just a little bit. I'm going to try to keep it to the theme. 
Um, but I didn't plan this, so everything I'm saying is coming from the heart. And I want to um, start by saying that when we got married, we bought a house in, on Grand and Badillo here in Covina. I had grown up in a Spanish-speaking Seventh-day Adventist church. My new husband was a new believer. We bought our house here, and we knew there was a church nearby. And we said, let's go check it out. So we did. And it was just like this, beautiful, full, diverse. And all I could see in my husband's face was, yes, this is where I want to be. This is where we see ourselves. We didn't know anyone, but we just felt this, we love this diversity. This is where we want to be. So we did. And we came um, for about five or six years. I think we, you would consider us being part of the congregation or the crowd because we were happy sitting somewhere and just exiting real quick without saying hello to anybody. We were totally fine with that. <laughs> so um, we did, and, and then we had children. And then I remember Virginia Scholl and her husband coming over uh, to visit us and to welcome our new baby, Christian Botello. And um, that was amazing because we really didn't know anybody, but we were already feeling the church love. And then they knew that I was involved with Sabbath school. Then I was invited to be Sabbath school um, director here for the adult class. So I, I participated. I was kind of hoping to be on the sidelines, but I always knew that, you know, God speaks to you through people. So, you know, you got to heed that call. So um, then as my, our children grew and became involved in Sabbath school, we made more connections with people. Uh, we got involved with teaching in the classes, primarily because my oldest son wouldn't stay still, and I had to be in the class with him just to keep him. He wasn't a bad kid, as anybody knows Christian. He's a, an amazing kid. But he was very restless, and it was that age. So I had to be in there constantly, and then before I knew it, I got involved. So I started, my web started growing, our web started growing. Um, they had small groups back then in our church with uh, Pastor Kimini, and uh, the Varellas kept inviting us to these small meetings, and once again, we weren't exactly thrilled about being invited, but okay, you know, we don't wanna be rude. And slowly, we just started connecting with people. And um, then our kids grew up, and then they started attending our school. Uh, we had started at Sunrise Christian School with pre-K, and then we realized that it was okay, but this was great. And, and from kindergarten to eighth grade, my kids were at that school, uh, learning about God's love. We made amazing connections with the teachers, amazing connections with the principals, um, there were times of hardship where we had a change in employment, and I'll, I'll just share it. The church worked with us to try to work it out so our kids could stay in the school. I said, God, you can take anything, but don't take the Christian education away from my kids. And he didn't. Amen. Praise God. And um, they grew up in that school, and they made some amazing connections and some amazing amazing relationships with mentors that I could not have done for them. You know who you are, Miss Patty, Mrs. Nair, Mr. Shelton, all their teachers, Mr. Ingram. They graduated well from a public high school. Their 
their, they had honorary elementary school teachers. It was their teachers from West Covina who always kept touch with them, kept connected with them, and they have these amazing relationships to this day with them. They're their mentors, aside from other people from church. As my kids grew, they grew to Pathfinders. Our web continued to grow. Our bond got, it got stronger with our pastors, with our other teachers. And it all came from just getting involved little by little in our own way, according to our own measure, and serving from our heart and in, with the talents that God had given us. We didn't have to do anything extraordinary. It was just something you know how to do, something you, you love to do. Find your passion in that and getting connected. So another of my husband's, my late husband's passion was soccer. So then we had David Gatsby start the amazing soccer club, summer soccer club for kids based off this, the soccer club we had from the church. So the guys bonded in soccer, and then they started helping the kids with the summer soccer camp, which was excellently organized and done. And so he found his passion in that, and then slowly he started getting connected with that. And then he made friends, and then they bonded. And, and we, as you get connected, you realize that the struggles that you're going through, you're not alone. People also have the same struggles. You find your place in the church and you realize that not everyone there is like wholly perfect. We're all working hard according to our own way, trying to get to the same destination, which is heaven. And what we appreciated from this, what drew us stronger and bonded this connectivity was the love and acceptance that we always felt from this church body. So we are grateful for that. Well, you know, fast forward to... 2018, my son is at his last year of college at Pepperdine, three months from graduating. My daughter's in her first year at PUC. And we had just, for, by the grace of God, we didn't go up to see her that weekend for her birthday um, because we had a change in plans. And we, instead, we spend the day in Malibu at Pepperdine, worshiping with the church family there, and then having the rest of the day with our son, only to have our life change 360 degrees that night. When my husband suddenly got a stroke, and here is the... Here is what I want to highlight from this whole connectedness story. We ended up at the hospital. They did the scan. They told him it was a massive stroke above the brain stem. There was nothing you could do. And I'm crying now, but if you can imagine the myriad of feelings and emotions as you see your life just suddenly change. And you know what's ahead of you. And it's going to be completely different than how you planned it. <laughs> and you have nothing else to hold on to but your faith. So in this, in this paralyzation of feelings, because there's just, it's so indescribable. You're feeling so many different things. And you're the same time trying to keep a clear mind because you're making these incredible, serious decisions that you have to make. 
and trying to keep your emotions aside. And believe it or not, I wasn't crying very much. I was just focused. And I knew I had to be strong, not just for myself, but for my kids who were flying down from San Francisco. And my son, who is just couldn't believe that we had just taken pictures just a couple hours before leaving. And now he's flying down with his roommate, flying down literally, as, as in speeding to come and see his dad in that situation. So anyways, word started getting out about what was happening to us. And so, the, so what I want to focus on are these next 48 hours and our church family. Our pastor arrived real early in the morning. We already had some friends who were, and family who had been with us all night. And our pastor was there the entire time. And I'm so grateful. But in the hospital, I, I couldn't believe that there were <laughs> so many people coming because I was not contacting anybody. It was like this web of news just being spread out. And here we were at the hospital. We had already realized that my husband was never going to come out of this. And people were just coming and they were coming in hordes, and they were there, and they were in pain, and you could see it in their faces. And I'm just gonna share from my perspective because I was in the um, ICU the entire time, so I don't really know what was happening outside. I didn't see, you know, I, I went out maybe once or twice only to see it a full room of people, just different people who were coming and going, so much so that my sister Maricela had to control it. And I think that's how the hospital allowed it because you know, it was an organized fashion, so they were coming to see him in like uh, groups of fives, or I'm not sure what number you had, Maricela. But they, it was constant, and it was all day. And then the, the head nurse came out and said, you know what, I'm sorry to tell you, but this is ridiculous. You can, we cannot, the hospital just cannot have this many people here. We, we need to do something. And the only one who can do that is you. You need to tell these people to leave. And she, and I said, well, you know, I, I, I try to logic with her and understand her, her situation. And I said, well, I, one of the things I noticed about her was that she was pleased when people would come and pray. So I thought she, maybe she was a Christian or she had some sort of spiritual side to her. So I looked at her in the face and I told her, I cannot stop what the Holy Spirit is telling these people to do. And she looked at me serious because she was the lead nurse. And she looked at me like with this upset look, like saying, I cannot argue with you on that. So she just walked away. And the people just kept coming and coming. And this was the story for the next 48 hours. That night, we had um, made a decision to let him go because we realized and understood that that's what he would have wanted and that's what our beliefs, with all the information we had, were going to dictate. 
Um, so we still had another 24 hours to deal with after that because he was in an organ donor. And I don't know, honestly, what I would have done because I could not do anything else except be right next to my husband with any change that might have happened. But my kids were out there, and I knew that church family was out there. And I knew that we all, you know, in the fabric of life, you have a lot of different weavings of all your individual connections in life, which make it one beautiful tapestry. I understand that. But when you have a group of people that you're connected to with that common denominator that's called faith, it is a, a bond that you cannot describe, especially in these kinds of situations. You, regardless of how little or much you know that person, you know that your faith gives you that one-of-a-kind connection that you can't get from everyone else. And I knew that they were praying for me outside, that when we went out there to release my husband, that these people were praying, that they had us in prayer, and that that was God's love being shown to us. We've all heard the, the poem of the footprints and how God is with you in your painful moments. Well, God carries you literally, but he does it through the love and through the hands and through the service of his people. And that's the body of Christ. And that's the body of Christ that I am a part of. And I am so grateful for this church family. Each one of you knows what you've done, what you did in your own measure of love and faith for our family. And while maybe I could not express it in any particular way, my gratitude, I want you to know that your love was felt. And it did not stop there. It showed. When we came to our services, I happened to work for a, a big law firm in LA with some very talented people who came to the east side for the very first time, maybe, <laughs> at the services. And they just could not believe the love they felt just being present here. And that's because it was real. We had our children's story about fake or real. Because it was real and it was genuine and because the Holy Spirit was here. And so in this moment of deep pain and this time of deep sorrow, God's name was glorified. And it was glorified because of his body of Christ. Because of the love you showed, because of the peace they felt just being here. And so I'm forever grateful for that. And I don't want to reduce um, any, anybody's contribution to this by maybe not mentioning a particular incident because there's so many layers to this. But I do want to say that in terms of connectedness, I realize that my, the trajectory of my life amounted to this. And it's because of that that, you know, it's almost two years later, the prayers continue, the support continues for my kids and for me and my family. And it's all because of God's wonderful plan that we belong to this body. And I'm forever grateful. Thank you, Maria. Thank you for sharing. No one should walk to a dark valley alone. No one. 
Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift his fellow up. But woe to him who is alone and when he falls and has no one to lift him up. We were designed to be part of a community, to be connected. And, and the reality is that you do not want to be alone, especially in difficult moments. And the only way that we could be part of a community of supporters and helpers is when we learn to be connected to one body, to the same body. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you have unity of one mind and sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and a humble mind. It is a said of a story that an anthropologist went to study tribes in Africa. And he went to a place where the Shosa uh, uh, tribes live. So what he did is that he had all the kids of that tribe in that village standing in one line. And he put at the end next to a tree a basket of fruit. And he said, guys... Run as fast as you can and get as much fruit as you want. And when he said go, all the kids held hands and walked together towards that tree where the basket of fruit was. When he asked them, why did you guys do that? Why didn't you guys just run to the basket? The kids responded, because Ubuntu. And he says, Ubuntu? What is that? And he said, and they responded to him. By us running to the basket, someone was going to be left without a fruit. And that person would have been sad. We cannot be all happy if one of us is sad. So it is said that Ubuntu in the Shosa community means I am because we are. So family, it is our prayer that today we learn to celebrate. That together, together, we are better than alone. Even though you might be like me that want to be alone at times. But I tell you, without you, without you, I cannot do what God asked me to do. So all of us need to grow together for health, for growth, and for effectiveness.